Welcome to the Nourish and Empower podcast, where we redefine, reclaim, and restore the true meaning of health. Join us as we dive into the tough conversations about mental health, nutrition, eating disorders, diet culture, and body image. I'm Maggie, a registered dietitian. And I'm Jessica, a licensed professional counselor. Together, we have over 10 years of experience working in eating disorders and mental health treatment. Trigger warning. In this show, we will be discussing eating disorders and other mental health disorders. We welcome you to the table for these conversations. However, if at any point you feel those conversations are causing more harm in your recovery process, you can always take a pause and come back to listen and reflect with us at a later time. Even though we are discussing nutrition and therapy modalities on this podcast, this show is not medical, nutrition, or mental health treatment and is not a replacement for meeting with a registered dietitian, licensed mental health provider, or any other medical provider. You can find resources for how to find a provider as well as crisis resources in the show notes. Kick back, relax, grab a snack, and join your favorite dietitian and therapist duo as we chat, laugh, cry, and reflect together. Hello, everybody. Hi, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining us again on this lovely Monday. And today we actually have some very exciting news. We have joined the Instacart affiliate program. And each week we will have a different offer by Instacart for you guys. For this week, since Mother's Day is upon us, skip the ship. Get chocolate, pastries, and more with the free delivery on your first three orders via Instacart. The minimum is just $10 an order and all terms apply. This offer is available now until May 15th. Follow the link in our bio to let Instacart know we sent you and support our show. We're so excited. Yay. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. So for this episode today, we are going to put Jess in the hot seat. She did that for me a couple of weeks ago. So today we're just going to talk a lot more about mental health and more specifically the stigma surrounding mental health that still exists. I'm ready, baby. Hit me. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So, so let's just start with like the basic, right? Like when we say mental health stigma, like to you as, as a counselor, like what, what do you think that means? What is the stigma surrounding mental health treatment? So great question. And I will disclaim that I definitely for this question and possibly for the other questions, to me, this is more like opinion based than factual mm-hmm. or like research based. So I don't think I'm going to be like hitting you with any research. So don't try and fact check me people. But I would say that the stigma when it comes to mental health from what I'm seeing today is just, it's outside of the norm, right? This, there's this stigma that people should just buck up. They should get over it, dig deep, find a way to be okay and not focus on your emotions, not focus on anything that could be difficult and allow yourself to just go through life. I think my parents' generation, our parents' generation definitely came from, and the generation before that definitely came from this space of what is mental health. You just, you know, you just get through life and that's about it. So I Mm -hmm. think there is this stigma of weakness. There's this stigma of you shouldn't, and I hate the word should and shouldn't, 
you shouldn't have to struggle. You shouldn't be going through anything. Like everyone goes through stress. It's just life. It's fine. And people aren't realizing that there are actual struggles and there are actual issues that people are going with and dealing with and that there is this medical uh, chemical imbalance that people are Mm -hmm. struggling with. And it just makes the healing process that much harder because if someone says, oh, I'm just anxious, you know, there's so many people that just say, "What? like, what is anxiety? Like, what is depression? Especially for those that are depressed and might come off more happy and loving life and they're not matching that stereotypical, in my air quotes, view of Eeyore, right? People think that you look like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh and you're just Mm going to be really sad and lonely and looking that way when depression doesn't have a certain look to it. There are so many people that can be depressed for so many reasons and people aren't willing to get to know mental health, which is why there is this stigma of everyone just needs to buck up or there's no reason to be that. And it's actually really damaging to those people that are suffering because then that's what makes it difficult for people to try and reach out because in their mind, they're thinking, all right, well, if they're telling me I should just be getting over this, then I don't need to see a therapist because it, you know, I should just be able to know how to do it. Then that internal struggle of, so what's wrong with me? Why can't I just get over this? What is wrong with me? And that downward spiral then happens and people aren't recognizing that this stigma that mental health is nothing and mental health is weakness or whatever have you. It's just hurting the ability of people to actually get treated and for people to actually heal because mental health is a very real thing. I hope that answered your question. Yeah. Yeah. And as you were talking, I was thinking too, like, okay, so when you're working with a client who's like, I don't know, like twenties and younger, right. So maybe a teenager or something like that. And their parents are maybe involved in treatment to some capacity. And so you're doing a family session or something like that. And they don't see like the importance of mental health treatment, or they have that mentality that you were discussing of like, like that's just life, right? Like you just gotta, you just gotta deal with it. How, like, I'm just interested. How do you have that conversation? Like what's been your experience like with that? Because I could see that presenting as a really tough dynamic in a session. Oh, it is. And (laughs) because I even see that with eating disorders a lot. Because of diet culture, Mm -hmm. right? So going Mm -hmm. in, so I'll give both examples, but going in the general mental health, if I have a parent that's, even when it comes to trauma, if it's not anxiety or if it's not depression, there are parents that definitely don't see the purpose of having a therapist or them going through, their child going through things. And it takes a lot of psychoeducation. So when... I have to give psychoeducation. It does. It's very uncomfortable for me. I'm not even going to lie because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm doing a lot of headbutting and yeah. parents a lot of times, not all the time. I have had experience where parents think I'm trying to show them I'm better than them. And especially mm-hmm. when I'm younger than a, than a parent and I am right. not a parent, it's definitely this dynamic of them being like, well, who the fuck are you and who are you to tell me how to raise my child? So it's a multi-layered experience for sure. And I like sweat like a banshee during them sometimes because I'm like, 
Oh my God. So do I. Don't like, right? Because it's nerve wracking because you're like, I don't Uh want you to hate me. I want you to recognize that we're on the same team. However, Uh your mentality as a parent is detrimental to your child's success. So like in order for this to actually work out, you gotta meet me because unfortunately I am the professional. Like you are the parent. I'm not trying to discount that, but I am the professional. So wait. Oh, excuse me. So where do we me have this middle ground? Where do we meet? And so it definitely takes a lot of discomforting and uh, tough conversations. And at times parents will come around. Like I remember I was in a session and I have a client. She's doing wonderfully right now. Horrendous anxiety, such, such bad anxiety. And I remember having a session with her and her mom and her mom saying, well, I just don't get it. Like if I was going through what you were doing, I just knew I needed to put my big girl pants on and I did the damn thing and I had to do it. And I said, and I validated, I'm like, listen, you did, you went through tough things. You were able to do that. And that's incredible for you. However, your daughter doesn't have that skill set. There is something within her that is taking everything away that she is unable to go down the path that you did. And it's not saying that she's worse off than you or you were worse off than her or she's weak, you're strong, whatever. It's just, it is black and white in this moment of what two different people are and how separate your experiences are. And it's not comparing. It's just meeting your daughter where she's at and how do you do that? And the mom eventually was, I mean, she was always very supportive, but eventually she was able to truly see of, what her daughter was going through and how medication was the thing that actually really changed her and assisted her and things of that nature. And she was able to see how her social anxiety and generalized anxiety really negatively impacted her life to where like once COVID happened, and I think this is a situation where COVID helped to see how bad my client's anxiety was. Because then once COVID happened, like she almost became agoraphobic, which is like a fear of going out and to places Mm -hmm. and things of that nature. And the mom was like, oh, is this what it was like the whole time? And I was like, yes, like this is where she was at. It's now just amplified. So it's, it's difficult having those conversations. Going into the conversation of like eating disorders, I've had parents look at me and say, You're not a medical doctor. You are not a professional in that sense. You don't know what you're talking about, eating disorders. My daughter's not going to die. My daughter's going to be fine. She's going to eat a salad. You're going to make her fat. You know, all the terrible things that parents can say. And I'll have to rein them in very nicely and say, if you were going, my favorite example to use, whether it works or not, will be like, if your daughter had a cardiac problem, would you take Uh her to see an oncologist? Or would you take her to a cardiologist? And they'll look at me with 10 heads and they're like, well, obviously a cardiologist. I'm like, okay, so why would you take her to see somebody, he or she, take your child to see a professional who is not specialized in this? And then we really have to break some barriers and things like that. So having a parent not on the side is very detrimental. And you can see it in a client, how they like shut down and things like that. So it takes a lot of me being uncomfortable and sweating, but looking like I know what I'm doing and setting that boundary and just being like, these are the facts and then trying to work through them. And sometimes it works, but sometimes it really doesn't. Like I've had parents curse me out and tell me that I don't know what I'm talking about and I'm not a good enough professional and I'm just trying to keep their kids sick. And then they do what they think is best for their kid and then their child 
has to go to a higher level of care when I explained I was trying to prevent that. And then the cycle then continues and it's a learning process for them, unfortunately. And I just kind of have to sit there and sometimes take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it is. It is hard. Now, when you mentioned COVID, that got my my mind running of like, okay, so we hear all this stuff about like how the rates of anxiety and depression have, have increased over the past few years. But, and I, I get that this might be more of your opinion than anything else, but I, I want to hear your opinion about it. Like, do you think that the rates have actually increased or is it that more people mm-hmm. are seeking out treatment, right? More people are seeing therapists, more people are seeing psychiatrists mm-hmm. and that the rate has been the same, but now that more people are seeking treatment, that's sort of like elevated that rate numbers that we have. Yeah. So great question. And I might have an unpopular opinion about this a little bit. Okay. However, I'm going to be real and honest like I always am. I Mm -hmm. think that twofold. I think maybe threefold. I think that the numbers have absolutely increased because people are finally breaking the stigma and saying fuck it and getting treatment. So I Mm -hmm. think the numbers have changed because we as a society to a certain extent are doing a very good job at being like therapy is your friend. There is no reason to feel negative or inferior or whatever it may be for getting treatment. Like even with men, I've seen an increase in men going to therapy, which like Mm -hmm. could make me cry because I just love it so much because I think they suffer the most maybe. Again, not a fact, just my opinion, because Mm -hmm. men have always been taught, don't show your feelings, don't talk about things, men don't cry, you know, the whole thing. So for them to go to therapy. Exactly. So especially we see that with eating disorders all the time. And I, so I think just seeing that more men are willing to go to therapy, I think we are just doing a really fucking good job at saying, screw what everybody else says, go get the help you need. So two things. So Popular opinion, COVID absolutely increased a lot. I think people, right, we saw that with eating disorders, right? Like the number of people Mm -hmm. that suffered from eating disorders or randomly developed an eating disorder skyrocketed out of control. So I think, and I know people that never had anxiety all of a sudden do. People that weren't afraid to leave the house all of a sudden were. So I think that there was a smaller percentage of people that did develop it, which then increased the numbers. The unpopular opinion is that, and this is not everybody, it's not, but I think having a mental health issue and a mental illness is kind of like a hot rod right now, mm-hmm. where especially on like TikTok, everybody has anxiety, everybody has depression, everybody has ADHD, everybody all of a sudden has this up and coming, not up and coming, but all of a sudden everybody is suffering with the mental illness. And I think it really then suffers or creates a negative light on mental health because all of a sudden if everybody feels like, oh my God, I'm so anxious today, but are you really anxious or is it just that your friend or you saw your favorite influencer all like all of a sudden talk about their anxiety and depression and I'm not discounting the people that are being honest about their anxiety and depression. However, the population or the generation that is really into social media, they're very susceptible. 
right? They're very easily influenced. And I've just seen a big increase of people identifying that they have a certain mental illness. And then when you really dig deeper into it, it's not really there. It's more of like a situational thing or they felt other people were also struggling with it. So they wanted to feel included. So they started to respond and react a certain way. So I think that was the unpopular opinion because I think there are people that are identifying that they're struggling for a look rather than them actually having a mental illness. And then that within itself starts to negatively impact those actually struggling, right? Because then everyone looks Mm -hmm. at, and this is unfortunate within society, but if somebody is taking something to a level and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, but that person really doesn't have it. Or if someone's taking it to a level of like, they're schizophrenic and they're like, well, that's mental illness. And you know, that's what, you know, we have to be careful of. That's like a small portion, but those Mm -hmm. smaller portions then ruin it for the larger whole Mm -hmm. of those. And then it almost dilutes the reality, the severity, the genuine issues that we have because people are taking away the true issues that are really going on. So I think, does that make sense? Yeah, I was going to say it almost adds like like a layer of competitiveness, I guess, mm-hmm. that maybe didn't exist in the past. And I feel like it's sort of this double-edged sword, right? Like it's great that our generation and even younger is talking about mental health a lot more, is, you know, in casual conversations, right? Saying like, oh, my therapist and I, you know, talk about this. But then the double-edged sword part too is like, okay, well, is it being talked about too much in the sense that now like anxiety and depression have become sort of these buzzwords yes rather than like what their true meaning actually is and I don't want that to come off and sound like I'm not validating everybody's experience because Mm -hmm. right like you can have situational anxiety you can have moments of randomly feeling anxious right like if someone all of a sudden sees a cop car behind them and they're like oh my god oh my god oh my god it's a cop that's absolutely valid you're all you're anxious about it you having moments of anxiety is wildly different than having a generalized anxiety a social anxiety a phobia or even just having more than one instance at a, you know, once in a blue moon than having a more consistent form of anxiety. And for Mm -hmm. me, it's just as a professional, when I see all different ages, right, I see a seven-year-old up to 60-year-olds. So for Mm -hmm. me to see all different areas of people and recognizing the different levels of anxiety that people have when all of a sudden someone comes in and they're like, oh my God, I'm diagnosed with anxiety because this person has anxiety and this is everything that I go through and da, 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 da. And granted, I don't see all my clients 24 seven, right? We've talked about this. We see our clients one to two hours a week and that's it. So could it be true? Yes. But then when I break it down with them and they have a sliver compared to what their influencer showed them, these buzzwords are absolutely diluting the meaning and this and what someone with these diagnoses actually go through. And that's mm-hmm. the part that even me as a professional and a provider and an advocate, I really start to get like a weird feeling in my body because I'm like, 
people are really going through these things. This isn't like a moment for you to try and fit in with your peers. This is something that people struggle with day in and day out. So that's the part that I think our, our numbers have genuinely grown because we are genuinely talking about it and people are truly seeking help and COVID definitely did a number on our mental health. However, there's also this other small portion, I think, that is taking away the the legitimacy of it as well, which is hard. So with knowing that like this stigma exists, has existed, mm-hmm. and a lot more people are more open yeah. about seeking treatment, seeing a therapist, how do we continue to reduce the stigma? Like is mm-hmm. uh, like are those conversations? How do you think that we continue to reduce the stigma in addition to people having those conversations? Yeah, great question. I think reducing the stigma has to do with continuing to have these open conversations with people and not even having the open conversation. I think it's And I wonder if it's almost like the silence of going through it and going through your own individual journey and not caring about it, that's what's going to break the stigma. Because sometimes when we throw things in people's faces, it pisses people off more. And I am not saying by any means do what, do something based on other people. I think we continue to show the advocacy. We continue to put out there mental health is a legitimate and real thing. So let's have the conversations. Let's be open about it. And let's put our money where our mouth is. If you want to go to treatment, go to treatment, right? Like if you have anxiety and you want to get better, let's go and find a therapist. I think it's not just throwing it on social media. It's not just putting it out there for, you know, other people to hear, oh, I have a mental illness. Let's actually do something about it. So I think when it comes to really breaking down the stigma, it's showing the normalcy of it in a real strength of the effort, rather it being thrown in everybody's face. Does that I does that make sense? Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just saying it, right? It's also being like, okay, this is something that I'm genuinely struggling with and this is impacting my life. Then what can I do to put like that work in, right? Is it seeing somebody? Is it, is it some other kind of like treatment, that kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think sometimes we get so focused on the advocacy piece, which absolutely is super important. But if we're not doing the groundwork also of letting people know that even for ourselves, that yes, I can advocate for other people, but what am I doing for my own mental health? Like the Mm -hmm. stigma also starts with you. And if you aren't doing something to get yourself better, and if you feel like there's areas of self-growth for yourself, it's not just the bigger picture or the bigger party. It also starts with the individual. So I think the more we allow ourselves to say, okay, this is what I need and I'm going to do X, Y, and Z for my own mental health and I'm going to make sure that other people are supported and taken care of. I think those two things together is what's going to make the biggest difference. Because I think too, it also, something that during this conversation that keeps coming to my mind is we have to be careful of what we're putting out there because there's so many people of so many different ages 
that are so susceptible to things. And one thing that always comes to mind is positivity and how there's the toxic positivity that's out there. And people are always saying, just put on a smile, just be happy. Like, you know, if you're feeling sad, get yourself back up and just do whatever. And people don't realize that that can be damaging. That you need, like as a therapist, I'm advocating for people. And I'm saying, if you're having a sad day, be sad. Don't be sad for a week. You know, you have to give yourself the time to feel the emotion, connect to it, understand the reason for it, and do something that's going to make yourself feel better. Don't numb it. Go through it and then elevate. And I think we have to recognize that not everybody is a professional in this sense and not everybody Not everything everyone says holds water, right? Like there might be a professional that listens to me and is like, I don't agree with it. Absolutely. And that's totally, totally fine. I just think we need to be careful about what and how we are doing things because like toxic positivity, if everyone thinks that they can't be sad and they just have to be like, oh, I'm feeling sad. What am I going to do to feel happy? You're not really helping your mental health. Maybe for that second, but then if all of a sudden you're getting this rush of sadness and you don't know why and you can't force yourself to be positive and then is someone going to feel like they're weak or whatever because their influencer told them to do X, Y, Z and it's not working, we have to be able to see it from all sides. And I think that's one of the biggest things too. You just have to be careful. Well, thank you. I know I, I kind of sprung this topic on you right before the episode started, but I have been thinking about it a lot and I, you know, I have to imagine other people are too. So I thought it'd be good for us to talk about. And I appreciate you sharing your opinions with us. I think it's really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm very open to hearing other professionals and other clients takes on it too, right? Because I've even had clients say they have feel illegitimate in their mental health because of how everybody all of a sudden is booming with it. So Mm -hmm. I would even love to hear other people's thoughts and opinions on the stigma and what they feel like is the reason for the numbers to be bigger or to have grown. So please, everybody, if you have your own thoughts, bring them in because I would love to see real life experiences that you guys have had too. Yeah, as always, you can can reach out to us. You can send us a message on Instagram. If you have any follow-up questions or you want this topic to be discussed again, definitely let us know and we'll continue the conversation. Thank you guys, as always, for hanging out with us on this Monday, and we'll tune in with you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Nourish and Empower podcast. We hope this episode helped you redefine, reclaim, and restore what health means to you. If this episode resonated with you, please subscribe Leave a rating and comment and share with anyone else who you feel may benefit. We'll meet you back here next time with a new conversation and one of our favorite snacks.